Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Are you ready for the word? Come on, somebody. Are you ready for the word? More of that powerful teaching. Let's welcome Reverend Gilbert Asamwa. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have placed us in Christ. And that even Christ, your most treasured son, he is not ashamed to call us his brethren. Thank you for calling us the redeemed and blessing us with this special relationship with you. We are asking you, Holy Spirit, to bless our message. Let it be the words of God. Revive us again. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. I'm going to preach from Bishop's book, Spiritual Dangers. Amen. Amen. And so the title shall be Spiritual Dangers. Why certain things must be done first. Hallelujah. Why certain things must be done first. See, one of the things in general about life is that the more you grow and mature, the more you become aware of dangers. Amen. When you are a child, you are very naive and innocent. And everything is like a toy to you. In fact, if your parents don't control you, you might take a knife and think it's a toy. Because you are a child. But as you grow, you are, you are able to see distinctions. And one of the things that you cannot afford is to uh, only appreciate things that you can see as a danger. It is smart that you can rely on someone who is more experienced and who has seen a lot more of life. And that if they can warn you and say, this thing is dangerous, that even if you don't see anything harmful with it, because of the experience or the maturity of the person, you can defer to them and say, okay, if you say I shouldn't touch it, then I will not touch it. How many can understand what I'm saying? So as we are talking about spiritual dangers, you will see that at every stage in your Christian life, it is possible that you might be in a certain life that it may be normal to you at your level, or that it may be a harmless thing that you are doing. But then, if somebody who perhaps has been on that road before or maybe because of from where they are sitting they can see some dangers you do not see hallelujah and so some of the things we are going to talk about it may not appear as anything dangerous but we are deferring to the revelation that the Lord gave to Bishop Doug hallelujah see one time Bishop said they went to a meeting and um, 
Reverend Eastwood Anaba was um, speaking and I believe he probably was introducing Bishop Dark. Then he mentioned that I think he was speaking about one of Bishop's books, probably Loyalty. Then he said the prophetic revelation that God gave Bishop Dark, a lot of ministers laughed at him and did not receive it. But then many of those very ministers, not long after they rejected the message, they had orangus in their church, like people rose up and rebelled against them. Had they received it, he, they, he, they, 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 he would have, they would have used it to teach their people to think correctly and not do what they did. Amen. But Bishop said, as he was listening to Reverend Eastwood speak, that was the, I don't know what the first time, but he suddenly realized that he himself had not seen the loyalty message as a prophetic message. Amen. He said, here is somebody from outside referring to that. He said, God has given this prophet a prophetic message for the body of Christ and it was rejected. Hallelujah. He said, that's when he began to see that this thing, I have to respect it because he himself did not see that is how big it is in the eyes of some, some other ministers. Hallelujah. And so, um, one of the things Bishop is uh, drawing our attention to is the fact that when you first become a believer, right? First of all, life is about choices. Is that not so? So, you know, in the Garden of Eden, the choice was either to obey God and remain in relationship with God. Hallelujah. Or, if somebody says something contrary to what God has said, maybe put the, what God has said aside and maybe listen to somebody else. It was a matter of choice. Because people ask the question, why did God put the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden if he knew they were going to eat it? Amen. Have you heard that question before? Yeah. But you see, I believe Rick Jonah has a book called uh, There Were Two Trees in the Garden. That is a book that is uh, it's one of those books that I have never been able to finish. Amen. Because when you, re when you go to one page, it's like a lot of chewy stuff. But, you know, one of the main things to say about that is that God wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose him from our hearts. God did not create human beings as robots or remote-controlled uh, inanimate elements with no choice. Amen. So, right from the beginning, choice has been a foundation of how God built the human uh, race and our relationship with him. And so, when you become a believer, right, you choose what? Christ. You choose to hand over the reins of your life, the control of your life to God. Is that not so? Because, you see, when you say, I have received Jesus as my what? Lord and personal Savior. I think that scripture, that thing is, was popularized probably in, uh, in the U.S. You know, they, they put the word personal there because over the years, the church was seen as one big group, Right? And I think probably some of the revivalists in the in the um, over time, probably from the Wesley brothers and um, some of the other people, emphasized the need for an individual to make their own personal decision for God. Hallelujah. So, but then one of the things that is often overlooked is the fact that you you accept and choose Jesus as Savior. Like recently, we just had the Passion and Christ suffering for us, so we all understand the savior aspect like he went through all this suffering to do what to save us from our sins hallelujah but then remember when we say you you, you receive jesus you choose jesus as what 
Savior and what? Lord. The Lord part is often not emphasized. And Lord means master. Is that not so? So when you become a believer, sometimes you, are, you may be in a certain lifestyle. But then once you choose him as Lord and Savior, if the scripture says, don't do this, right? If the scripture, if the word of God says, you see that as this is the instruction from my master. So therefore, if he's saying so, if I belong to him and I answer to him, then I will not practice something that he doesn't want me to practice. Does that make sense? We are talking about the evolution of our journey of choice, right? Our journey of choice. Working with God is a matter of choosing every day from one thing to another. First, we chose God. We want to serve the one true God. Amen. Jesus prayed in um, John 17. He says, this is what? Eternal life. To know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Amen. And so we choose him. You choose the one true God by believing in Jesus. And then, after you believe in Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, now you are surrendering your life. So you begin by abandoning. Bishop said he used to um, listen to certain type of music. And his um, mentor or the person who was coaching him as a new believer told him, this music is not going to help you. And he, and he, and he, he asked the question, there's nothing profane in this music. There's nothing bad outrightly about this music. Why should I stop it? And then she said, she used a scripture, you know, in Corinthians that says that all things are what? Lawful for us, but not all things are what? Expedient. Not all things are actually going to edify you. Amen. And so based on that, he quit that. And then I think he also, he said he used to also gamble. You know how horse racing, people gamble on that. So gradually you, be, you begin to drop things that are, had become part of you, right? So you begin to choose that. But then as you, the more, as you grow in Christ, you stopped all the seven cardinals. I actually don't know the list, but I heard the expression seven cardinals. <laughs> but as you grow and mature in Christ, you, you begin to drop off on, on things that are um, blatantly considered sinful, right? And so, because, I mean, imagine, uh, God forbid, somebody sees Brother Eugene at a Ghanaian party, you know, and, you know, drunk and, you know, misbehaving and doing all kinds of things. I mean, you know that even because of the position that you are, you, you won't drink publicly. Do you get it? And then, and then people who really want to do it, they will do it quietly in their home, in their home. And if they drink and they vomit, it's in their house. God forbid, you won't do that. Amen. But I'm saying that people have the view of public sins and private sins. And if you can do it quietly and no one can see, you see, so even in the sin, there's a, there's a, there's a differentiation. In terms of choosing choosing to, to do the right thing, even when no one is watching, right? But we, we, we graduate from there. Where you get to a point where your whole life, you just want to please God. You just want to walk with God. You just want to check in with God, how he feels about something. Hallelujah. That is also a higher level that you, it is not about, you get to a point where what you are choosing is not necessarily about choosing to sin or not choosing to sin. But even two good, equally good things that you, 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 you are considering, you want to know what God thinks. Do you get it? You want, you want, to, you want to know uh, what does God think about this? So that the, the mindset of having God at the center of your life becomes the new level of maturity where you are reaching. Are you, are you following? So that it, 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 sin, the sin problem 
is easily overcome if only we walk in communion with God. Right? And then, the other thing is that sometimes, it's not that people want to practice sin, but there is a weakness in the flesh. Jesus even said that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So then, the next thing is, you have to overcome the cravings of the flesh, right? And then you need to work with the Holy Spirit who abides in us, so that then now, you are growing, and as you are growing, the choosing is no more between good and the bad. What you are choosing between is between what? Good, sometimes two, between two good things. So then, then if God is truly, if Jesus is truly your Lord, then what could be a spiritually dangerous thing for you at your level may, be, not, may not be that you are out committing blatant sins, but it may be that you are on a road doing some things which is, which is good, but actually it is dangerous for you spiritually because it is not God's will. Hallelujah. I don't know whether you remember um, Kenahagan. Now, in the meantime, let's look, look, look for this scripture which, so that at least this will be a, a legal meeting. Let's read the scripture. So, so it will be a legal Christian gathering. Matthew 6, 33. Okay. But I was going to, so as he's looking for it, I want to recount this vision that Bishop mentioned in um, during the first I, I think the first week or maybe the second week of the between the porch uh, and the and the um, and the altar prayers and, and he was referring to a vision that Kenneth Hagen had amen in the vision you know um, well before the vision Kenneth Hagen was preaching at a meeting in the evening and he slept and broke his arm. I think it was uh, what do you call it? Elbow. And he managed to finish the meeting, but he said it was very painful. Amen. And then um, I believe it was swollen and very, very painful. And then one of the people in the church was a nurse who knew of a doctor who could treat him. Amen. So I believe that he was taken to the hospital um, and admitted and then they said that it is going to require surgery the way the thing is and if you know Papa Hagen I mean he is the man who can stand and say that I've never had a headache since 1952 I mean he will mention a, a, a date like over a long span of uh, years he hasn't even had a headache because he is the man of faith amen and so for something like that to happen to him was a bit unusual amen and so um, he recounts in this vision, and you know the book. I believe in visions. If you didn't download it, try and download it because I put it on the church workers, and it's also you know not very expensive. You can order it from Amazon.com, probably under ten dollars or maybe under twenty dollars. It is one of the very powerful books that will bless your life. You will see, you will see the uh, active involvement of of God in our day-to-day -day lives through the visions of. Papa Hagen. Amen. So, I think the, 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 the main thing, you know, that I want to focus on now is that whilst he was at the hospital, right, he recounts it that this one, I don't know whether you could call it a vision because, I mean, it was a vision, but it was what you call, what you call um, open vision. Because, you see, you can have a vision which is more like an inner vision or it, it, like, like you can have a vision that is more inward. And then in an open vision, you can be here, you can see an angel standing behind Brother Ishmael. 
and you see both brother uh, Ishmael and the angel, right? People have visions in which they could be standing like as we are standing here. Some I, I could have a vision in which the heavens are open, right? And I see into the heavens. But then what usually happens in most visions that are not open visions like that is that I will not be seeing you. It's like this whole ceiling will be gone and then my eyes will go into the heavens. Are you following what I'm saying? But in this vision, Papa Hagen was lying on a hospital bed that he said he had footsteps, right? He had footsteps and, and somebody came and he said it was very early in the morning. So he was wondering, why are they coming to attend to me this early in the morning? He thought it was the nurse. And then the door opens and who comes in? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus walks in. He said, he said, I was, I was frightened out of my wits. It's like, it's like your, your hair will stand up. Do you get it? Jesus comes in and I believe this is the if I, I'm not mistaken, this is the first vision that Jesus comes in like physical, like a human being standing there before you. Because he's had other visions of Jesus. So Jesus comes in and comes to sit on the, on the bed. Right? And then begins to talk to him. And he talks about many things, but what I want to focus on is that Jesus told him that the reason why you had that injury, do you get it? Was because you have disobeyed me you get it? He said that I called you to be a prophet and a teacher. But you have been emphasizing your teaching ministry above your prophetic calling. And he said, why do I say that? Not only do you love the teaching part, because if you listen to Papa Hagan, the man can teach. And you know how he teaches? He will read a scripture. Actually, it's exactly what I'm doing tonight. He He will read only one verse or two verses. He called it the test. Tonight's test is Matthew 6, 33. Let's read it. But seek ye first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. End of scripture. The rest is what? Stories. Like I'm, t- I'm doing tonight. That Okay, we've read the scripture. And then he'll be telling a lot of stories. My, my, my um, sister-in-law, my, my this, my that. It's like that. the, the stories are like parables, usually real life stories that he has gone through, but that explain the scripture. You get it. But it's not a lot of line by line, where that's not how he, t- he, he talks. But he's teaching if you can really follow his story, because sometimes if you don't take care, you can be lost. If you can follow, it's a real blessing. Hallelujah. He said that, but then I, I called you first as a, a prophet. And he said, when you, when you are, people ask you what you are, when you are talking about your ministry, you say, I am a teacher and a prophet. Then Jesus told him, let me show to you from the scriptures. Then he took him to Ephesians 4, verse 11, where the apostle was listing the fivefold ministry gifts. He said that, that he gave gifts unto men, right? He said, the apostle, the what? Prophet, um, pastor, evangelist, and teacher. No, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He said, that is the order. So, so you cannot, he said, you cannot put your teaching office before the prophetic office. Amen. He said, by disobeying me, by disobeying me, he said that it opened a door for the devil and that is why this injury happened. And he said, if I had not allowed, he said, and I think he was actually a bit upset with God for that thing happening to him. Do you get it? 
And, and the Lord told him that if I had not allowed the devil to knock you down to get your attention, you would not have lived beyond the age of what? 55. He said, many ministers die early before their time because they don't obey me. Amen. Are you there? And you could, and Papa Hagen said, he began to say, I, I mean, I have been in your world all this while. I have been, and you, if you know Papa Hagen, when he started early, he started preaching at the age of 17 or 18. And then he started pastoring churches, Baptist churches, very early. And then somewhere along the line, he moved from the pastoring a singular branch into the itinerary ministry. Are you following? In the itinerary ministry is whereby you don't have a particular branch, but you go from branch to branch and preach by invitation. Because the Lord kind of led him into you know, going to bless other churches. And when he goes to preach by the church that invites him, they, they give him uh, honorarium. They give him something. That is what he was living on. And how, how is that type of life for somebody who is young raising a family? Do you get it? A lot of his children at a certain stage were being homeschooled because they were moving around so much. Are you following? So when you think of all this, you would, you would think that you are doing what? A great work for God. Not knowing you are out of God's perfect world. So the Lord said, look, go to Romans 12. He said, Romans 12, there's a list of, uh, um, you keep this scripture here. Yeah, There's a list of, um, he says that, renew your mind, um, renew your mind that you may prove the what? Perfect, the good, the perfect and acceptable will of God. And the Lord said, there is always my perfect will. But there is also something called the acceptable will. Which in some translations is the permissive will. Are you there? So you see that he was in real spiritual danger. Even though he was not out uh, what, doing adultery, he was not out robbing banks, he was not out doing things, but it's a question of the order. When things are not according to a certain order. Hallelujah. And the Lord told him about how um, he, has, he has entered the second phase of his ministry. And then it is in that vision that the Lord told him that every minister has four phases of your ministry. He said that the first 12 years that he has been going around pastoring and teaching, all of that was, he was still in the first phase of his ministry. But he said, now you have ent just entered the second phase of your ministry. He said, so all this while I was still in uh, class one, he said, because you had not gone forward with what I called you to do, so you took a long time wondering and wondering, but now you have entered the second phase of your ministry. He said, if you are faithful, if you are faithful, you would enter all four phases before you die. But I did, I allowed the devil to knock you down to enjoy, to get your attention, so that you will not have to die prematurely. But what I'm talking about is that it was about not committing some blatant sin, but it was about not making the choices God wanted him to make at the time he wanted to make. And this, in this particular instance, it was about the order. Amen. So why certain things must be done first? Okay? Number one. Anything that is not done first seems to lose its significance. Amen. As a Christian, you must do first things first. First things means first in time. First in order. First in number. First in rank. And first in value. As a Christian, you must do first things first. And first means what? First in time. So, so why certain things must be done first? 
we are giving the first point is that anything that is not done first seems to lose its significance. And being done first, this is what first means. It means first in time. So things that must be done first must be done in terms of the chronology of time, right? See, one day I I I I, I got my paycheck, right? And then I had some bills to pay. Are you there? And then and then and then uh, see, especially nowadays that you can pay your tithe before you come to church on Sunday. You can pay your tithe anytime during the week on Megaflow. Did you know that? So, I was about to, um, and I, a lot of my bills are paid online. So, I was about to do that. Then something came to my mind that, no, I have to do the Megaflow transaction first because God must be first. Hallelujah. And Brother Ishmael, the reality of it is that when I do the because the, the, the paying of the tithe, I don't do it directly on my bank account online. I do it at the site of where? The mega flow. Is that not so? So when you do that, that thing has to be processed. And then most of the time, it will be the next day that it will hit your bank account. Are you following what I'm saying? Whereas if I was to, if I was to make a, a transaction on my account online and to, to, to have money transferred to go and pay my mortgage, that one it is funded immediately. Brother Eugene, you understand what I'm saying? It is funded immediately. So in terms of the arithmetic, in terms of the, of the calculation, if, even if I do the tight ten online, the mortgage will, will deduct from my, my account immediately. But it's about the heart. It's about the mind. Because you could say, well, you know, even if I do this mega flow, it's not going to. It's not going to. So I can do all the banking transactions online and, and after that, I can do because it's not going to make a difference in terms of the arithmetic. If you check my bank account, it's going to be the same amount that the, the tithe had not yet been deducted. But then I realized that no, that's not right. When I get my paycheck, God must come to my mind first. I must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And in my heart, in my heart, I must pay God's money first before I pay anybody else I owe. Because when I woke up in the morning, it is actually, literally, the Lord through the Holy Spirit waking me up. No other bill, no other creditor, no other one do I owe that, that uh, uh, my life to in that sense. And so, just because God has not sent me a bill, <laughs> you know how it would be nice if, if God would send you uh, something in the mail. Okay? Pay this, otherwise I will not let you suck the next breath of oxygen. But he doesn't do that. But when you mature, the more you mature, you, you do things voluntarily because it is the right thing to do. Not because God is holding your neck or... Are you following what I'm saying? So that is why he had Kenhagan so strongly. And you realize that, you realize that the more you grow spiritually, the harsher the punishment for, for not putting God first. God can allow little babies and junior Christians to not put him first. But when you grow, because what happens is that the more you grow spiritually, then you are, you are ready for greater authority. And a person on whom greater authority has been placed must also be held to the highest level of responsibility. Is that not so? That's why it's not everybody who has the nuclear codes. Amen. You know, recently, recently I found out that the president of the United States, when they are traveling, the Air Force One, there's a bag carrying the nuclear codes. Do you get it? You don't have to leave the nuclear codes around any to anyone so with, when you are investing with so much power 
then there is also a need to make sure because if you do the wrong the slightest wrong thing the effects can be disastrous that's why the united states is very very anxious about north korea getting the nuclear power because in a place where somebody when they wake up and they are not feeling good they can and there's no there's no um check and balances they can do anything crazy hallelujah and so the first point is that anything that is not done first seems to lose its significance what and if we define done first it means it must be done first in time hallelujah it must also be done first in order and then first in number first in rank and first in value first in rank first in value you see when we were in school i remember in arithmetic they had all kinds of operations they, they taught us you know um one of associative property of of arithmetic like if you have one plus two plus three you can group them one plus two into brackets plus three is, is the same as one plus two and three into brackets is that not so it, it doesn't matter even even if you change the order three plus two plus one okay is the same as one plus two plus three i think it's called the cumulative property then they have the distributive property but you see, when it comes to spiritual things, it is not, it's not even just spiritual things. Even in our everyday life, it's not everything that the order does not matter. Is that not so? I mean, if, if you want to give me an example of something that the order, you have to follow a certain order. Brush your teeth, and then what? And then eat. Yeah, before you step out of the house. Even that one, you know, people have different, different people have different I like to brush my teeth first thing in the morning. I, I can't understand why some people are able to. Sometimes people say, when I wake up, the first thing I do is I drink coffee. And then I brush my teeth. And then I have my breakfast. <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't relate to that. But that's a good point. Any, anything else? Yeah, you cannot, you cannot be out there. Vacation, you have not taken care of your rent. You have not taken care of where you live. Amen. Okay. You buy a car key before you buy a car. Amen. Amen. Or, or, yes, or even let's, let's think about the car. Maybe you have a car that has a mechanical problem, right? Which you have not fixed. But then when your tax refund came, you want to buy the, what do you call, alloy rims for the, for the tires. To look, new car seats, change everything, but the car cannot move. <laughs> The car cannot move, but it's looking pretty outside, but it cannot go anywhere. Do you see? The order is off. But first, get the car on the road. And then when you get an, another uh, piece of money, then you can do the other stuff. So you see that even in our everyday life, the, it's not true that in everything we can do it any, in any other order. But then when it comes to things pertaining to God, because you see, the things you do first are of the greater significance. So the first point we are making is that anything that is not done first seems to lose its significance. Hallelujah. The importance of the word of God seems to fade as we carry on in disobedience. So, you see, when you, when you set aside the word of God, when God is asking you to do something and you don't do it, after a while, after a while, you become numb to it. Right? You become numb to it. It, it is no more it's like it's like your conscience will no longer 
judge you. Your conscience will no longer make it seem like you are doing something wrong. Because the thing that you were supposed to do first, that you didn't do, it is losing its significance. It's losing the weight. The weight you are placing on it, the value you are placing on it, is beginning to devalue. And after a while, once you've seen it over and over again, that, oh, it's nothing, then it becomes normalized. Hallelujah. Number two, we are talking about why certain things must be done first. Under the book Spiritual Dangers. So we're going to touch number two and we probably will end there today. Anything that is not done first may never be done. Why should you do first things first? Why certain things must be done first? Number two, anything that is not done first may never be done. And there's a sub-note there. Delay often means cancellation. You see, human beings, we are very good procrastinators. We are good at procrastinating. Because, you see, very often, in your mind of mind, in your heart of hearts, you know this thing is very important and you must do it first. You must do it now. You must do it first. But out of not wanting to maybe get out of our comfort zone or not wanting to stop other things that have creeped up that you are attending to, what we do is that we put the thing that should be done first, we put it forth. We postpone it. And then you convince yourself that, oh, uh, it's not even that you are convincing somebody. You convince yourself. Uh, it's not that I'm going to do I'm going to do it. I mean, I will do it tomorrow. I will do it. I, I will get on it. And then you can keep doing that and keep doing that. In some cases, you will get to do it eventually. It may be late. But then, if you don't take care, often what you kept postponing and not doing that first, it may never be done. Phone calls. You know, let me give this as let me give this example. When we started the church, our first Agabapto first was at, uh, do you remember the place? In his park. In his park. <laughs> yes. Now, um, there were, there were um, some young people that I believe Ophelia had brought. Amen. You know, like people who were not members of the church, but they had been invited. And so, as we were doing our thing, people fellowshipping and stuff, um, at some point, I don't know, I think I went to get something in the car. And when I got into the car, I felt there was this young boy, probably was maybe 12, 13. He was one of the guests at the, at the function. Something told me I should call him and talk to him. Do you get it? And so, I don't know whether Sister Sophia had given me some kebab or something that I was quietly chewing in the car. Do you see? So, I, I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but I intended to call the boy. I felt like I should talk to him. I don't know what was wrong with him or what I should talk about. I felt like I should just engage him. So I said I would do it. And then I, I, I sat there. And then the next half an hour or 45 minutes, when I was looking for him to talk to him, I found out that they've gone home. So I started feeling, where is the boy? I mean, I really wanted to talk to him. I, are you bringing him to church tomorrow? She said, no. They are leaving for Ghana tonight. I never got to speak to the boy. That delay meant a cancellation. And I don't know why the Lord wanted me to talk to him. I don't even remember his name. And, and it's like that opportunity was lost. Hallelujah. And perhaps I was supposed to say something that will keep him from a certain danger. And I pray God to God for forgiveness because the thing is that it's not that I told I told the Lord I wouldn't do it. 
but then the delay. Hallelujah. And so, anything that is not done first may never be done. We are going to pause there and then by the grace of God, we are going to continue next week. Amen. Let's bring the Lord an offering and let us thank him. Our Father, we are grateful to you for your love for us. We look into your face and we see your patience. We ask you to forgive us for the things that ought to have been done first that we didn't do. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that you give us the grace to pay heed to your word. And now we commit to you every blessing that you have given to us. We are giving you of a gift, an offering to bless your work. In the name of Jesus. Amen.